0: Well, welcome once again to the Palm Butte Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. My name is Trey Hinkle. I'm one of the pastors here at Palm Butte Christian Church in Palm Butte, Oregon, in uh, lovely central Oregon. And uh, you've tuned into our podcast, and today we're going to be talking about Thanksgiving. Uh, we started talking about Thanksgiving last week and talked about what uh, what do you do when it doesn't seem like there's anything to be thankful for. Well, today we're, we're focusing more on the fact that there is, there are things to be thankful for, and um, I'm going to be giving our people this weekend an opportunity to share what they are thankful to God for. We're going to be having large banners or large pieces of butcher paper up on the wall and with markers and crayons, people can uh, just say what they are thankful for at the end of our service. Uh, since you're listening to this at home, I would just say, why don't you grab something, uh, piece of paper, uh, something to write with. And uh, by the end of uh, this podcast, you might be able to jot some things down as well that you are thankful to God for this year. You know, most of us know that gratitude doesn't always come out, doesn't always flow like, like it probably should. You know, as a, as a kid, my mom tried to teach me and train me to say thank you when somebody gave me something. But you know, there have been times in my life that I have uh, neglected to acknowledge a gift, either by sending a card or expressing uh, through words how how much I appreciated what was given. Now, now the weird thing about that is, is those times, and gratefully they've not been very many, is if I did not express through words or acknowledge the gift, my relationship with the person who gave me that gift uh, was really affected. It's it's kind of weird because I, I would run into the people uh, like at church or out there in the in in life you know during the week, and though we were still on friendly terms, I mean they gave me a gift for crying out loud, right, but there seemed to be some kind of unspoken obstacle there you know it was like you know it it, it affected them that I did not acknowledge the gift, and it affected me because I knew that I had not acknowledged the gift, and it was it was just weird between us and Once I was able to get my act together and finally thank them, well, then that obstacle melted away and we were able to reestablish our relationship. What that tells me is that gratitude, which is basically being thankful for the things that you've been given, it's not simply something that you owe somebody because your mother told you to do that, but it actually defines a relationship. So today, before we open up uh, this opportunity to give people thanks, I want you to see a powerful story found in the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. This is what Luke records for us. He says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I want you to imagine that day. Jesus is traveling with his disciples. They're going towards Jerusalem. And as he comes near this village, there's a a group of desperate men that are waiting there. Their diagnosis, a death sentence, really. Not just a physical death sentence, but a social death sentence. It was leprosy, the most dreaded disease of that time. Leprosy was, is a disease that deadens your nerves and begins to eat away at your extremities, your, your toes, your fingertips, your nose, even your scalp, like a, like a deadly case of psoriasis. And then leprosy would then invade your body, and it would take this destructive path down to your vital organs, and there it would kill you. Over time, you can imagine leprosy, you know, would wipe out an entire village. It was so contagious. If you were found to have leprosy, the priests of the region would expel you from the society, you'd be removed from your family. You would be cast out of the community. No contact whatsoever. Not with your kids, not with your grandkids immediately removed. The physical pain was deadened because of the eating away of nerve endings. So really the emotional pain was the worst because you knew you were dying. And you couldn't do anything about that. But here's what's really bad. You could not have anybody that loved you to be there for you as a support. The only support you would find with other, were, were, were with other people who had contracted the disease as well. So lepers, they tended to stick together. They would roam the countryside looking for food, begging for uh, financial assistance. They would dig through garbage heaps. And all the while, if they came up to somebody in the vicinity of anybody, they would have to yell in unison because leprosy actually would dry out one's throat terribly so that your voice became frail and barely audible. And so together, they would have to yell out together when somebody was approaching them, stay away, we're unclean, we're unclean, stay away. So even as they were begging, they were shunned, nobody would come near them. So here we got 10 guys crying out for uh, mercy or for pity, depends on what your uh, translation says. Have mercy on us, have pity on us, right? Um, And uh, the the Greek root of that word is to show mercy. It's uh, Kyrie eleison, Lord, have mercy. And we we read that as uh, he was going to the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance and they called out, Lord, Jesus, Master, have mercy mercy, have pity on us. These 10 guys, I want you to understand, have lost their identities. We don't know their names. We don't know their social status. We don't know their backgrounds. All the distinctive things about who they had once been had now, like their extremities, had been eaten away. But we do know that at least one of them was a Samaritan. Luke is, Luke's going to tell us that there in verse 16. One of them, at least, was a Samaritan. Now some people will hear that one of them was a Samaritan and they'd be confused because They know that normally Samaritans and Jews would never have hung out with each other They would have uh, lived in constant uh, judgment of each other But that's how powerful this disease is Because when you are dealing with leprosy Nobody cares much about religion or nationality or the other things that make you different because now the thing that makes you the same leprosy is the thing that dominates your life now they're just all outcasts. doesn't matter if they're Jew or Samaritan. What do they ask for? Pity, mercy, not alms. They're not even asking for healing necessarily. They just want mercy. They, they want pity. You know, when you've reached the limits of what you can handle on your own, pity, mercy is often the only thing that you can hope for. Like, please, somebody care about my situation. Please at least feel sorry for me. And then 10 lives hang on the actions of this itinerant rabbi from Nazareth. And then we read in verse 14, when Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Luke makes a point of telling us that Jesus saw them. He saw the lepers. The the Greek phrase there uh, was, and seeing, he said to them. There are a lot of words in Greek for the word seeing. This one is actually interesting because it encompasses seeing as in perceiving the real need. Not, not just looking at somebody and seeing them, but seeing deep down. It's, it's like Jesus didn't just go, oh yeah, I see you guys. But he saw them and he saw and perceived and understood what they really needed. Jesus was able to look past just the, the normal day-to-day thing that anybody else would see he he looked past their condition and he realized that they had lost their identity as well their identity had been stolen from them where there used to be health and a relationship and love there was now just rotten flesh and he knew that the only way that they could return to their homes and families according to the law was to be declared clean by the priest and so he says go show yourself to the priest now the law was very clear There is a procedure that you must go through in order to be free in order to be free to return to the life that you once enjoyed That procedure had them go back to the priest most likely the same priest who had examined them the first time uh, to confirm the leprosy diagnosis And it was to have that priest examine them once again to make sure that the disease had been cured so what happens is very simply put then As they went, see, they were obeying what Jesus had told them to do. Go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, you know, again, there was not any kind of miracle ritual that had been performed. They went, and as they did, Luke says, they were healed. Have you ever found it to be true that God has you take a step of faith before you can see what he is doing in your situation? I find it very, very interesting and very important and significant that these guys actually had to obey. They had to step out in faith first. They had to head back to civilization, to the priest, while they were still exhibiting the evidence of the disease. They had to go before the healing took place. And yet they do. They go. And at some point, Luke tells us, they were changed. They were all changed. The diseased cells in their bodies were cured, changed healed their skin was changed the stigma then was also changed and healed ten suffering human beings had been touched by this man of from galilee can you imagine the joy can you imagine the shock that they would have felt can you picture them now bounding down the road to the priest running leaping dancing like a middle schooler on the way to winter camp after downing a liter of mountain dew I wonder if they even considered how the priest would respond to them, or, or what, what uh, excitement would be on the, in, in the faces and the lives of those back home that uh, they would see when they went back home. All ten men were most likely caught up in this joy and the excitement of the moment, and, and so we might be able to forgive their negligence of going back. Only one, though, does. Only one returns to the one who told them that they would be healed. Go back and look at verses 15 and 16. One of them, it says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. This was a big deal, and he's he's making a big deal about it. And he throws himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Ten guys are healed. Ten guys are excited. Only one returns apparently humankind has always had an issue with taking things for granted and for not expressing thanks to whom thanks is due ten guys have been given a literal gift of a lifetime and nine of them don't even stop to think about what happened they were so excited and had their uh, their mind on so many other things now we don't know what kept them from returning to give thanks the fact that only one came back was not lost on Jesus because he actually asked them in verse 17 a very pointed question He says he says in verse 17 weren't not all ten cleansed Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine indeed? A lot of people have speculated. We, we don't know why they didn't come back There's a list out on the internet uh, that I saw uh, a sermon illustration. Where were the other nine? Well, this is what one person imagined The first one waited to see if the healing was real. The second one waited to see if the healing would last. The third said he would go thank Jesus later. The fourth decided that he must have never had leprosy in the first place. The fifth said that he would have gotten well anyway. The sixth one gave the glory to the priests. The seventh one reasoned that Jesus didn't really do anything anyway. He just told them to go show themselves to the priest. The eighth one proclaimed that any rabbi... Could have done this. And the ninth one said, well, I was already starting to feel better before Jesus came along. Now, again, that, that's just a made-up list. We don't know why they didn't come back and give thanks. It may have just been that they were very, very excited. But that list does show a, a lot of reasons why people today are not very thankful for things that God does for them. They're cynical. They think that it's uh, due to other circumstances that they have been given all of these things. See, these reasons aren't listed in the Bible, but they are very human reasons. We always seem to find a reason to not do what we should do. We think, well, come on, we we can't judge these guys because maybe they were busy. Uh, They might have even been very, very, very thankful. But, you know, being away from their families for so long, they may just have gotten carried away and getting back to the life. So much so that it just kind of slipped their minds to go back and say thank you. No doubt many of us have good intentions. And yet, we're not very grateful. Um, well, no, we might even be grateful, but we get busy and we don't um, get around to returning to God with thanks, uh, folks. That that may sound like well, I guess we can excuse that, but really, is that a legitimate excuse for not expressing thanks? Maybe they began to take it for granted, like healing was something that they deserved. We have developed such an inflated sense of what this er- world owes us that that may be the case with many people today uh, maybe they just had a sense of look what i overcame you know watching the olympics every 4 years there's always this human interest story of these people that overcame things and oh look look what i overcame i overcame leprosy look look what i did and if that's the case then maybe they don't have any kind of heart for, of gratitude for What somebody did for them that they could not have done for themselves. Now, we can tend to think of being ungrateful as simply just a bad trait, a bad character trait. But Scripture is clear as to what lies behind an ungrateful heart. Uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, although they knew God, he's talking about the history of mankind and, and when they began to turn away from God. He says, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor did they give thanks to God. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. See, ungratefulness is not just simply a bad character trait. It's a sign that our hearts have been darkened. These guys, these nine guys that did not return, their world is still in darkness. See, they had a chance to not just be healed, but to have something else happen for them. They had a chance, not just for healing, but for eternal life. It had been offered, but they missed it. They were healed. But you get the sense from Jesus' question, where are the other nine, that it's truly more than a healing that Jesus had wanted to do for them. It was a chance to actually have their relationship with their healer renewed. Words matter. You know, in in the Greek, there are three different words for healing that takes place verse 14 when they they say as they went they were cleansed that word is where we get our word catharsis or or catheter uh, something that cleanses people um, takes the 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 dirt the the infection and and gets it out catharsis and then verse 15 says when he saw that he was healed this man when he saw that he was healed that's a different word that's uh, a and then in verse 19 when Jesus says, rise and go, your faith has healed you. He uses the word sesoken, which comes from the uh, the root word sozo, which means to save. So catharsis is about purifying. Iathe um, um, is fixing what is broken. And the last term comes from the, the same word that we talk about being saved. So, so Jesus says, yeah, you have been catharsed catharized catheterized if you will you've been cleansed and you have been fixed but you've also been saved it's more than a healing that this man that returned received it was more than a healing it was salvation it was a connection with a creator it was friendship with a savior it was not just receiving an act of mercy it was receiving a relationship of mercy The one who returns realizes the initial blessing and comes back to give thanks. And while he's there, he receives more blessing. This Samaritan is the only one out of the ten who receives a spiritual blessing along with a physical blessing. He was the only one who has been made right with God. Folks, as we look at our life and we realize that so many things have been given to us, if we don't return and give thanks to the one that gave to, that to us, we are missing an opportunity to really have a right relationship with him. You know, it's, it's one thing to, to receive things, even a miraculous healing. But if we don't really understand uh, that without God, that that would have been impossible and, and that God did that for a reason. If, if we don't return and give thanks to God, then we are missing an opportunity to become more intimate with God. You see, physical restoration is amazing, but folks, spiritual restoration, man, that is so much more important. Spiritual restoration, in having a, a reconnection with our Heavenly Father, that's incomparable to anything else. So 10 people found mercy through healing, but only one of those found mercy through salvation, and the difference between the two is a spirit of thanksgiving. Being willing to go back. As soon as you realize what's going on, to go back and be grateful to God for what he has done. That's the important thing. Dennis Prager is a guy who's been on the radio for a long time, and he's an author, and he's a theologian. He he wrote a book called Happiness is a Serious Problem. And in that book, he says, yes, there is a secret to happiness. The secret to happiness is gratitude. He says all happy people are grateful. And ungrateful people cannot be happy. We tend to think that it is being unhappy that leads people to complain, but it is truer to say that it is complaining that leads people to becoming unhappy. Becoming grateful, become grateful, he says, and you will become a much happier person and I would say that's that's wonderful for our emotional state, but I would say then become grateful and you will become a much holier person as well Jesus shows the irony in his question in verse 18 he says has no one returned to give praise except this foreigner <laughs> ouch that cuts deep that cuts deep the one guy who comes back wasn't even of the people of israel it's like the the, the people of israel they had all taken advantage that they, they they were taking it for granted better term they were taking it for granted for what god had done for them and because of that they did not have this deepening relationship with God the other nine were probably way too familiar with the goodness of God so they didn't do anything they did not come back but this one guy this one guy is amazed at what God has done and he is so thankful he chooses to return today we have an opportunity to be the one who returns and in doing so we are we are allowing God to come into our life in a deeper way. So as we conclude this podcast, I'd like for you to have an opportunity to, um, to really pray about, God, what, what have you done for me this year? To, to really seek uh, his eyes, his perception about what has happened in your life this year. And as, as you think about those things, just take a moment to write them down and to say a prayer of thanks. As you consider your relationship with God, are there things that you need to say thank you? Write those down. Write those down. It's an exercise of thanksgiving and giving glory to God. And then keep it somewhere that you can see it over the next several weeks so that you can be reminded about the goodness of God and the relationship that he wants to reestablish with you as we return to him in thanks. You know, I want to close with just a really cool story that I found this last week. He says the story goes that there was a a father and a mother of a, a young man who had been killed in Afghanistan um, the mom and dad, the family had been a part of a little country church. And so one day they came to the pastor of that little church. They told them, him that they wanted to give a monetary gift as a memory of their son who died in the service. And, and the pastor said, you know, that's an amazing gesture. Thank you. And uh, can I tell the congregation about the gift? And they said, yes, uh, you definitely can tell uh, the congregation what we have done. And so the next Sunday, the church was told of the, the gift that had been given in memory of the, the son who had been killed in battle. Well, after the service, there was another couple in the church. They were driving home, and they began to have a conversation. And the man said, why don't we give a gift to the church in our son's name as well? But his wife said, well, but our son didn't die in battle. He's still alive. And her husband says, exactly. That's all the more reason we ought to give thanks to God. You know, you don't have to wait till the end of your life to be grateful and to be thankful you can on your way when you realize what god has done for you you can just say you know there's so many things that i can be thankful i don't have to wait for something huge to happen i i can just look at the blessings that god really has given to me and say god i i want to i want to thank you i want to return to you in thanks and in doing so again, you will receive not just the physical blessings that you're thankful for, but you will receive a spiritual blessing as you grow closer in your heart to the Lord. Well, that's my uh, brief uh, um, insight and uh, encouragement to you today as you're listening to this podcast. I, my prayer is that we all become more grateful to everything that God gives to us in our life so that um, we might uh, live in humility, understanding that nothing that we have uh, is, is from ourselves. It's always from God, um, that we continue to run to him when we have needs so that we can know that he is the one that provides for us. And in doing so, people can see our lives and see the gratitude that we have, and they might actually then sit up and take note of the goodness of our God. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody that makes these uh, podcasts possible, for Lisa Welly to get them up online, Uh, for Steve Pittman for um, just uh, being the the guy that kind of makes sure all of our equipment is up and running and our Internet is good and things like that. I want to thank you, though, for uh, tuning in and uh, for listening. If you're ever in the uh, central Oregon area on a Sunday morning or on a weekend, we we have uh, four services. We have a Saturday night service, a cowboy church at 7 o'clock on Saturday evenings, And then on Sunday mornings, we have an 8.30 service and 10.30 service in our worship center. And then we have a traditional, uh, like hymns and things like that at 11.30 over in our chapel. Um, the, The sermon is the same for all three services on Sunday morning. And they are typically the same as what you hear on these podcasts. But if you're ever in our area and would like to uh, meet us and, and just say hi and we listen to you, that would be awesome. That would be a great blessing to us as well. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving this, uh, this year. And uh, that uh, may God make you truly grateful for what you are about to receive and what you have received. All right. We'll talk to you later.